Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Wednesday, January 4th, 2017, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Thanks for joining us here. Happy New Year to you all. We are back and better than ever. As I mentioned earlier, we are in Super 3D now. Not just regular 3D, Super 3D. Can you tell? (laughs) Oh, it's... uh, cold here in beautiful legal potland oregon we are approaching some record cold temperatures coming up uh this evening and throughout the rest of this week and i know my listeners in other parts of the country and the world will just laugh at me when i say our record low is like 16 that's that's positive 16 folks (laughs) but here in portland man it's got everyone freaking out and bundling up and uh we're doing the same here at delta nine studios we got the fireplace roaring and a couple of space heaters out and we're going to make the best of it as we uh, open up today's show uh on a sad note unfortunately um the uh, 2016 of course we talked about all the celebrity deaths that occurred and it was uh pretty tragic toward the end there with uh George Michael and Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. Well, to open up 2017, the cannabis community, unfortunately, has suffered a loss. It's the master cannabis breeder, Franco, uh, one half of the team on Strain Hunters. If you know about the Strain Hunters, uh, yeah, he was 42 years old and died while filming an episode of Strain Hunters in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, The cause of death is still unknown, but there are unconfirmed reports that uh, Franco succumbed to an aggressive case of cerebral malaria. Uh, A bit of an irony as the strain hunters were down in the Congo trying to research uh, native strains there and the use of cannabidiol to treat malaria. The uh, mortality rate for malaria is around 20 to 50 percent. So it's a shame. Uh, Franco has passed away. Uh, again, one of the guys out there that is, you know, uh, propagating and, and searching for land race strains, you know, the original source strains of our cannabis. In his own words, in 2014, he said, quote, land races are the most natural form of cannabis existing on the planet because they have been constantly adapting and evolving, improving their harmony with the environment they live in. They are the basis of breeding and the most ancient pure cannabis races existing on the planet. Land races have been obeying a basic rule of nature inside their own environment. Survival of the fittest It is our duty to preserve cannabis land races for the future of scientific and medical research and for the basic human right to use a plant that has been used for millennia. Land races could hide cannabis profiles that one day may be used to create new medicines, and these medicines could improve or even save lives. End quote. Uh, lots of tributes. I'm reading a page here on cannabis now, uh, com. Danny Danko has uh, weighed in, uh, folks from uh, Berkeley patients group, national cannabis industry association, and so forth. So many of our pioneers are, uh, have passed away and, and we've lost Franco way too, way too young at the age of 42. 
All right, coming up on today's show, of course, we've got your Cannabis Radio News coming up next. And then in Behind the Headlines, an update on decriminalization in America with a Illinois township joining the ranks of the decriminalized. In Drug War Data Mining, we're going to talk about how Prohibition Cannabis is California's top crop for now. And then in Cannabis Chronicles, we'll talk about billboard bans again and how it's counterproductive. And in the Radical Rant... Treat it like dandelions, the nuclear option for marijuana in Trump's America. All that coming up in Hour 1, and then we'll have more to talk about in Hour 2, plus your calls at 650-LEGAL-MJ. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st at the Colorado Convention Center in Denver. Register now at www.seedtosaleshow.com or 888-409-4418. The NCIA Seed to Sale Show, the largest cannabis business event to be held in Denver, will host over 2,000 cannabis professionals and focus on innovations and technology in cultivation, infused products and extraction, and sales strategies. The show will recognize the best in the industry with the Cannivation and Canatech Awards. Register before January 6th for $100 savings at SeedToSaleShow.com. Use the code RADIO15 for an additional 15% off. Plan your experience now for the NCIA Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st. SeedToSaleShow.com or 888-409-4418. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show... Uh, St. Peter auditioning to be the Microsoft weed software uh, spokesman. Hey, this is St. Peter for Microsoft. They track weed. Does that mean they're going like, to track the weed? Is that what this is about, Jesus? I'm not going to be tracked, Jesus. I'm not going to have my fucking weed tracked. And I'm not going to have fucking Microsoft track me back to my fucking house through my weed to where they fucking spied on people with that goddamn Xbox camera. Fuck this. Fuck Microsoft. Fuck this bullshit. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. 
Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, January 4th, 2017. A group of marijuana legalization advocates plan to hand out thousands of joints during President-elect Donald Trump's inauguration. Pro-marijuana organization DCMJ will begin distributing the 4,200 joints at 8 a.m. on January 20th on the west side of DuPont Circle. The participants will then walk to the National Mall. At four minutes and 20 seconds into Trump's speech, DCMJ founder Adam Eidinger says protesters will light up. He says the giveaway is legal as long as it's done on District of Columbia land. Those smoking on federal land risk arrest. Eidinger says the group wants to send a message that the federal government should legalize cannabis. Marijuana advocates are concerned about what actions Attorney General nominee Senator Jeff Sessions of Alabama would take on the issue. Sessions has previously spoken out against marijuana legalization. Video broadcast on an NAACP social media site shows police officers have handcuffed and led off several protesters after the group staged a sit-in at an Alabama office of Senator Jeff Sessions, the nominee for U.S. Attorney General. Police were seen removing the demonstrators Tuesday evening from a sit-in at the nominee's office in Montgomery. NAACP President Cornell William Brooks, who took part in the protest, said the group held the demonstration to oppose Sessions' nomination as Attorney General. The civil rights organization broadcast the developments on its Facebook page. The group said it was raising concerns about multiple aspects of Sessions' record, including his prosecution of African-American activists for alleged voting fraud when he was U.S. Attorney. Minor marijuana convictions were wiped from 192 people's records Tuesday when Vermont Governor Pete Shumlin issued pardons to those who he said were still facing stigma and very real struggles that often accompany drug convictions. Shumlin, who leaves office Thursday, had urged people convicted of minor marijuana crimes prior to when the state decriminalized possessions of small amounts of marijuana in 2013 to apply for the pardons. His office received about 450 applications. People with violent criminal histories who applied, or those also convicted of driving under the influence or reckless driving, did not receive pardons. The state of Alaska has received its batch of cannabis tax revenue from the first full month of retail marijuana sales in five stores operating statewide. In November, seven marijuana cultivators paid $81,100 to the Alaska Department of Revenue's tax division, Division Director Ken Alper wrote in an email. About 98 pounds of marijuana bud and 10 pounds of trim, the leaves and stems, were sold wholesale, Alper wrote. Under Alaska law, cultivators pay the state's tax. Bud is taxed at $50 per ounce, and other parts of the plant, like the stems and leaves, are taxed at $15 per ounce. It's now legal to grow Rhode Island hemp. A new law that went into effect January 1st allows people to get a state license to cultivate hemp for clothing, oil, food, fuel, and other commercial products. Lawmakers originally wrote the bill so that members of the Narragansett Indian tribe could grow hemp, but later expanded the language to allow any licensed grower. The legislation was signed into law in July by Democratic Governor Gina Raimondo. It also allows universities to grow hemp for educational and research purposes with the approval of state health officials. 
Governor Asa Hutchinson, the majority of the state legislature, and Arkansas's other top elected officials campaigned vigorously against medical marijuana, and the success of that program's launch now depends on those same officials. There's a tight timeline with an early March deadline to finalize rules and a June 30th deadline to begin accepting applications for dispensaries and cultivation facilities, though lawmakers are weighing whether to give agencies more time. The program also faces a push by some opponents to add new restrictions, including a sales tax on medical pot that one lawmaker says could be used to cut taxes elsewhere. The Colorado Chamber of Commerce has announced the appointment of Laura Harris as the nonprofit's new executive director. Before coming to the chamber, Harris served as head of the Colorado Marijuana Enforcement Division, where she helped create and implement the first recreational marijuana regulatory framework in the United States. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, January 4th, 2017. I'm Russ Belville. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. Everyone deserves the medicine they need. Aaron's premium CBD essentials and CBD nectar products are made from plant-based organic ingredients, grown and processed in the United States. Our unique formula of coconut oil and coconut water infused with CBD oil is ideal for all skin types and provides maximum relief. Aaron's Essentials was formulated by 9-11 first responder and stage four cancer survivor Aaron Sieber. As a cannabis connoisseur, Aaron began making and using his own lab-tested medicinal cannabis products to help relieve the side effects of his rigorous cancer treatments. Visit www.cannosaurbrands.com for more information on Aaron's Essentials and learn how you can pay it forward. That's C-A-N-N-A-I-S-S-E-U-R-Brands.com. The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, the national wildlife refuge for marijuana unicorns. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. July 1st, 2015, adult marijuana prohibition came to an end in Oregon. Immediately, over 400,000 adults who consume cannabis responsibly were no longer criminals. This is what freedom sounds like. Brought to you by Portland Oil. cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Focus, I want to talk a little bit about decriminalization. There was a 
uh, piece that came across the Chicago Tribune here uh, where Oswego, apparently a small suburb uh, of Chicago, decriminalizes small amounts of marijuana. Uh, This village uh, has now made it a civil offense for anyone caught with 10 grams or less. And I always crack up when I see these amounts, right? Because in most states where decriminalization has taken effect, the amount is an ounce. Uh, In some places, it's half an ounce. In other places, they've made it 10 grams. Uh, Why is it a personal amount bigger in some places than it is in other places? It just seems strange to me that we can't settle on, you know, what exactly is a personal amount from state to state. But there's good news for the people of Oswego making some progress forward on ending adult marijuana prohibition. But there's so much more that could be done. And when it comes to decriminalization, we've got 21 states where there is some form of decriminalization. Now, eight of those states and D.C. have now uh, legalized marijuana. So the decriminalization, while it's still on the books, it's kind of a moot point. Because like here in Oregon, you know, it's uh, marijuana is decriminalized under an ounce, but, you know, it's legal under an ounce. So what's the point? Doesn't make any difference. Right. So if you just count the states that don't have legalization, we currently have 13 of them that have some form of decriminalization. Nine of those states have a decriminalization where it's a civil infraction. You get a fine and a ticket. Four of those states are minor misdemeanor states. Uh, What that means is that. It's still a crime if you're caught with marijuana, but it's not an arrestable offense. So you can't be arrested and it's uh, you're not going to do any jail time for this offense. The only problem with this is that the minor misdemeanors still leave you with a criminal record. Uh, One of these states with the minor misdemeanors is Ohio, where numerous times I've looked up in Ohio's. Uh, online in Ohio regarding marijuana reform, and I'll get ads that pop up for lawyers who will help people convicted of that simple possession misdemeanor to get that off their record. So while you may not go to jail, uh, you may not be arrested, it can still be problematic for you as you still end up with that criminal record. So those states are Minnesota, Missouri, and that just went into effect recently. Uh, North Carolina and Ohio that have this uh, minor misdemeanor for decriminalization. The decriminalization amount differs from state to state. Again, it's like what makes it uh, personal amounts or decriminalized amounts varies by the states. In Ohio, it's 100 grams that's decriminalized. 100 grams is a little over three and a half ounces, close to three and a half ounces. Uh, in other states, uh, in Minnesota, it's 42 and a half grams. I don't know what, 42 and a half grams doesn't even translate to an ounce or an ounce and a half. It's just a weird kind of a number. Mississippi, 30 grams. And then the rest of the states are an ounce, 28.3 grams. Down to uh, New York, 25 grams, short of an ounce. Connecticut, 14.2, half an ounce. Uh, same with North Carolina, half an ounce. And then Illinois, Maryland, and Missouri have settled on 10 grams. The fine in many of these states ranges anywhere from $100 to $500 on the first offense. But some of these states increase the fine for second and third offenses. Decriminalization goes all the way back to 1973, where Oregon was the first state to decriminalize. And in the 70s, 
there were 10 of those states that decriminalized uh, Oregon through Nebraska. A lot of people can't believe Nebraska is a decriminalized state, as is Mississippi, which decriminalized in 1976. Then in the 2000s, we had a couple of states decriminalized, Nevada and Massachusetts. And then since 2010, there have been... Uh, nine states that have decriminalized and many of them through their state legislatures. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. All right, folks, that sound means that it's time for our 20 after break. It's 420 in the mountain time zone. That's where I was born, in Nampa, Idaho. So happy 420 to all my friends still in the Gem State and all throughout the Mountain Time Zone from the Yukon Territory all the way south. (laughs) We'll be back with some uh, drug war data mining. Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer Dr. Dina shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Data Mines, I'm inspired by an article on Alternet that Philip Smith has written up. It's entitled Marijuana Monster Money, California Makes More from Cannabis Than the Next Five Largest Crops Combined. 
It's a it's a heady boast, and it comes from a report last week in the Orange County Register, which figures that lettuce throughout the entire state of California brings in two point two five billion cattle calves cows bring in three point three nine billion grapes bring in four point nine five billion almonds bring in five point three three billion milk brings in 6.28 billion and cannabis as estimated by the orange county register brings in 23.3 billion dollars in the uh in the uh state of california (laughs) 23.3 billion now that's a a pretty big estimate uh because arcview which we recently reported on estimates the legal cannabis market is going to be 20.2 billion dollars for north america well of course the uh keyword in that would be legal the estimate that the newspaper went by was seizures of pot plants and then used some of the united nations office on drugs and crime equations that figure seizures are 10 to 20 percent of the total production and then based on that estimate was able to come up with what the production would be for California and how much it's supplying to the underground market, which is a large, large proportion. And that's where it comes in with this close to $24 billion estimate. And even if that estimate is way too high, because part of their estimate is saying that each plant would produce a pound and the market would pay $1,765 a pound. Uh, so it might be a little bit of a padded estimate here because I don't know anybody get, getting 1700 bucks a pound, at least if their weed stays out here on the West Coast. As it goes east, I suppose those prices are pretty reasonable. And only one pound per outdoor plant is an awfully small estimate, so that doesn't seem realistic. But even if these estimates are off by a factor of three, they're still in the $8 billion range. They're still dwarfing the next largest uh, crop in California, milk, at $6.something billion. So this is uh, something that's always difficult to get our data on, always diff- difficult to get accurate measurements of the illicit market. And I fear that as we continue with legalization and as we continue to expand this market, We're going to start being subjected to some of these market forces that will be detrimental to those of us on the consumer side. To wit, all of these people are basing their investments and their forecasts and and betting their money on the idea that the cannabis market is going to keep expanding and expanding and expanding up to the $20 billion mark. And And I don't doubt that it probably will. But that's an expansion that's based on legalization happening and continuing to expand in a few of these states. We're not really seeing an increase in the number of pot smokers. Now, those pot smokers are at the adult level smoking more often. So there's going to be this natural break on how many people are going to be a part of this market, how much they're going to consume. And the more legal it becomes the cheaper it becomes. So basing these market estimates on $1,700 pounds, when in five years it could be $170 a pound, 
possibly could lead to some uh, crashing of people's expectations on what they thought that their big investment in the green rush would bring them. And with that in play, we might see invest the investor class, the, the business class in cannabis supporting legislation, supporting lawsuits, supporting all manner of mechanisms to artificially keep the price of cannabis high. Higher taxes, higher regulatory hurdles, uh, higher registration fees. Of course, doing so is just going to ensure that there remains an underground market. But that underground market would also be in support of those kind of things, those kind of measures that keep the price of legal cannabis higher than it should be. So they can continue to operate just underneath that margin in the underground market. Overall, my fear is that this this dangling, shiny bobble, this distraction, this new green rush market mentality that we have toward cannabis may ultimately be our undoing and may ultimately lead to a prolonging of prohibition and a prolonging of higher taxes and overregulation and tariffs and all sorts of mechanisms to keep the price of cannabis high because so many people by that point will have their entire businesses and retirements and stock portfolios riding on a market that was forecasted to be this big billion dollar sort of market. I think marijuana ought to be as cheap as possible and as plentiful as possible and as many people ought to be growing it as possible. And that's not in the best interest of the people that want to keep the prices high and corner the market in it. It may be odd that in legalization, our enemy changes from being the cops to being the corporations. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles... Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants, healthy people. SansalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle naturally. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. The Russ Belleville Show. Providing dictionaries to drug czars since 2009. 
Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Mark Twain once said that when there's a gold rush, it's a good time to be in the pick and shovel business. Today, we look at the rapidly evolving markets in the marijuana green rush in our Cannabis Chronicles. Today in the Cannabis Chronicles, I want to focus on this editorial I picked up in the East Bay Times. That would be Oakland, California. And the editorial says, ban pot smoking driving and marijuana billboards. And it opens up with a picture uh, of a billboard, a basically black billboard with white lettering that says Corova, unrivaled potency, CorovaEdibles.com, medicate responsibly. In between the CorovaEdibles.com and medicate responsibly, there's a tiny pot leaf, but it's not even green. It's white, and it's just the outline of a pot leaf. Uh, the biggest uh, graphic on the billboard is... A really fucked up looking cow. <laughs> it's got like four or five eyes and a top hat. Uh, and again, black and white, you know, so no buds, no boobs, no uh, bong smoke or anything like that. Just big white letters, Corova, unrivaled potency. That's the picture that leads the editorial from the East Bay Times that talks about the two bills that have been introduced. Now, one of them is to close a loophole in toking and driving. Uh, basically, Prop 64, when it, it was written, has an open container ban. So you can't have an open container of weed. And it has uh, it maintains that smoking and driving, you know, smoking or driving under the influence is illegal. But it doesn't have anything particularly that bans smoking and driving. It doesn't address whether, like, is a joint an open container, right? So a guy smoking a joint technically might have been able to get away with it because he's not violating open container unless they can prove that the pot that he has smoked has made him impaired at the time, right? And so they got to close that, and and it's kind of an, an inevitable, uh, inevitably going to happen is we can't leave this loophole open even though it's a solution in search of a problem, right? People toking and driving across California freeways for decades now, and it's not leading to stone to mayhem on the freeways. But regardless, politically speaking, yeah, you pretty much have to expect there's going to be no toking and driving. But this other bill, it's one I've ranted about before. Assemblyman Rob Bonta out of Alameda has sponsored this bill, and it's to ban marijuana billboards. And... Prop 64 also had a ban on marijuana billboards, but it was just on the freeways that cross state lines. So like Interstate 80, Interstate 5, you couldn't put a marijuana billboard on that because it crosses state lines. And that's kind of a nod to the coal memo and to the federal requirements that, you know, we try to keep marijuana within our own state borders. Never mind that. Interstate 80 would be crossing into Nevada, which has legal marijuana, and Interstate 5 would be crossing into Oregon, which has legal marijuana. <laughs> I-10, I-15 are crossing into Arizona. I could see that. 
is it I-10 or is it I-15? I forget. Whatever. The one that crosses into Arizona. I could see that. But they want to close that loophole, too, because there are spurs of freeways all over California. If you've ever seen that uh, Saturday Night Live skit, the 405, the 880, and so forth. And they don't cross state lines. They're wholly within California. And there's pot billboards on those freeways. Specifically, the one I just mentioned, the uh, Corcova or the Corova Unrivaled Potency, or as the... uh, As the editorial mentions, billboards along Interstate 880 in the Bay Area touting Corova edible marijuana products unrivaled potency are not what voters had in mind, nor would they want children to see roadside ads of pot icon Tommy Chong promoting his Chong's Choice marijuana products on billboards along Highway 50 near Sacramento. (sighs) Okay, so you know the first thing I did when I saw this this morning is I went to Google image search. And I typed in Interstate 880 billboards. Try and guess what the very first result in the Google image search was. A billboard for Corona beer. And of course, you could find other billboards for strip clubs and billboards for uh, men. Are you experiencing erectile dysfunction? Talk to your doctor. And, you know, the ambulance chasing lawyers mentioning this and that and the other thing and of course, beer, beer, beer everywhere you look. Sky vodka, you know, Jack Daniels, all that stuff's fine. Kids can see that, no problem. And let's not forget that Tommy Chong, for years, was in the TV show That 70s Show. And that was a show that kids were seeing all the time, too. <laughs> this idea that the kids' pristine eyes must be protected from the marijuana. But not all the other things, the beer and the, and the sex and the, uh, the ambulance chasing and all that stuff. That's fine. We got to protect them for the marijuana. The problem with this line of thinking is, number one, it's just offensive. Because just because we are marijuana consumers, marijuana sellers, marijuana growers, doesn't mean that we don't deserve our First Amendment rights. That we don't deserve the right to speak, to, to present, to press, to advertise, and so forth. Similar to how others are allowed to advertise. Now, we understand, like, you know, if you're running, uh, you know, Hustler magazine, it's got to be put behind the counter. Uh, There's obscenity laws. We understand that. We understand that cigarette ads aren't shown anymore. We understand that. We understand that very many restrictions on commercial speech have been made. We understand that. What we don't understand is why they do not apply to alcohol. What we don't understand is why when we ask voters to treat marijuana like alcohol and they agree with us, that you then want to treat marijuana as something evil, unlike alcohol. I'm all for treating, if we're going to have billboard bans to, to protect the kids, that's fine. As long as you're consistent about it, because what you're telling the kids right now by banning marijuana billboards, but leaving the alcohol billboards is that alcohol 
is the preferred drug. That alcohol is the way to have a good time. Don't go to the marijuana. Marijuana is terrible and evil and bad. It's so horrific, kids, that we can't let you even see the outline of its leaf or a picture of a 74-year-old man who's known for smoking it. We got to make sure you don't see that. And now, Corona Beer, Coors Light, the silver bullet. Hey, Sky Vodka with the sexy woman in the red latex. Woohoo! That's all fine. Now, if it's up to me, I allow all the billboards. I even allow the smoking billboards. Really. I, I am for free speech. I love free speech. The more free speech, the better. Billboards for cigarettes, billboards for sex, billboards for uh, uh, beer, billboards for liquor, billboards for marijuana. I'm all for it. Let's just be consistent, though. If we allow all those billboards, then we're saying to the kids, kids, there are adult things that adults will advertise to other adults and they're not for kids. Or let's ban them all. Let's ban them all and say, hey, kids, there's adult things. And we have decided that there are special restrictions on speech when it concerns adult things because we want to protect the children. But let's not keep sending this mixed message that somehow marijuana is the evil one. The one that dare not speak its name must not be referred to, right? This is like being gay in the 1930s or something, right? (laughs) Just don't say anything about it. Don't let anyone know that you're smoking it. Stay in the closet. As long as they don't see you or smell you or, or know that you're doing it, then everything's okay. Well, that's not the kind of equality I'm looking for. That's not the kind of legalization I want. And I understand it's going to take time. I mean, I didn't expect us to wave a magic wand, hold an election, and all of a sudden we go from absolute prohibition to marijuana is treated equally and celebrated for the great medicine it is by all members of society. Didn't expect miracles to happen, but this 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 desire to want to hide marijuana, to want to shutter it, to enclose it to obstruct anyone from knowing about it my god we can't we can't let them advertise the marijuana because then people might want to smoke it yeah it's a legal product (laughs) like why does this thinking not work with say fast food joints why we can't let carl's jr have those bikini models eating the monster thick burgers That'll make people want to eat them. And, and I can actually make the better case that that advertising is harming America. Between the body image issues for little girls watching it and the fact that you're selling a 1400 calorie cheeseburger, right? And we've got an obesity epidemic in this country. But we allow that. We, we the, the, Our mind doesn't even grasp that that shouldn't be an advertisement, that there shouldn't be golden arches and in and out burgers and all these kind of places that not only get to advertise, but get to advertise straight to kids that make happy meals directed right at them with tie-ins, with cartoon movies and action hero movies and superhero movies all aimed at the kids with little toys they can get if they buy that particular store's brand of carbohydrates and fats and sugars and salts. 
we we allow that we we get the the whole cereal aisle where folks cookie crisp cereal reese's puffs cereal like candy is actually cereal now and they put that right there at the three foot level for the little kids to to pull on mom's blouse mom you want that so it's it's not the that they're trying to ban the marijuana billboards that kills me it's the hypocrisy of it it's the selective bullying of the one new politically unpopular kid on the block while the fast food giants and the beer giants and the sex giants and the, all the other vice industries out there, all the other industries that manufacture products for adults that can be used responsibly, but often get abused and lead to problems in society. They're sitting by watching while we get picked on. The, and, and we're bringing the one that doesn't cause the obesity and the one that does cure diseases and treat maladies and illnesses and leads to less stressed out, less anxious, less violent people. And we're the ones being picked on. We're the ones who have to hide. We're the ones whose billboards cannot be seen on the freeways. That's what motivates me to get up and do this every day. Not that I, I'm I'm not in this because I wanted to get high legally. I could give a shit whether it was legal or not. I was smoking in Idaho in the 90s, man. This isn't about us getting high. We're getting high. We've been getting high. This is about equality. This has been about being treated like citizens instead of criminals. All right, we'll be back with the Radical Rant right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. From dabs to chibas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com Do you want to get in on the booming cannabis industry? With new frontier data, we give industry insiders the power of big data analytics to help navigate this rapidly growing and changing landscape. New Frontier's tools help you make critical decisions based on the facts. Our industry analyst reports reveal the best opportunities. Our custom research engagements deliver answers to the most difficult questions. And our cutting-edge big data platform, Equio, puts real-time information and answers you need right at your fingertips. Go to www.equio.io and sign up for your free membership today. That's E-Q-U-I-O to sign up now. The power of real-time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. (laughs) (laughs) Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. 
<laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Well, today in the rant, I'm taking a look back to last month because there was an article that came out in The Stranger, which is uh, the alt weekly up there in Seattle. It's entitled One Way to Protect Washington State's Legal Weed Market from Trump. Burn it to the ground. That, of course, caught my eye. And the article goes on to interview Allison Holcomb, the author of I-502 in Washington State, who successfully became the first person to ever pass marijuana legalization, ever to legalize a state. And, um, you know, we, and we've got our problems with 502. It's got the per se DUID that's completely unscientific and unjust. It's got the uh, no home grow, which completely sucks and forces us to be under the mercy of the corporate producers. Although the weed is getting pretty cheap in Washington state. And of course, it still maintains it didn't do anything to change Washington state's 40. Was it 42 and a half gram or 40 gram? Where one of those numbers uh, over 40 grams is still a felony in Washington state. It's also a felony to uh, have any sort of cannabis club in Washington state on purpose or even accidentally. <laughs> so there's still a lot of problems with Washington state's law, but we're not going to talk about that in this rant. We're talking about the effect of the Trump administration and the the, the most effective way. This is uh, the, the concern here, of course, is the Trump administration's coming in and Trump has tapped Alabama Senator Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III <laughs> as not the most rednecky name. That's Jim Bob Cooter, who's the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants. Seriously, there's a guy named Jim Bob Cooter. <laughs> Hate to go off on a tangent, but I, I just have to on this one. I, I, I just can't I can't wrap my mind around what's going through the mother's mind when she decides to have her son named Jim Bob Cooter, like Mrs. Cooter, have you come up with a name for the infant son? Well, I wanted to name him Jefferson Beauregard Cooter, <laughs> but uh, the senator from Alabama already took it. So uh, we're going to go and 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 my my husband says that Jefferson Beauregard that that's that's just too that's too rednecky. Jefferson Beauregard far too rednecky. So we're going to go with James Robert. That sounds like a nice clean Christian name, James Robert. <laughs> Jim Bob Cooter. Anyway, sorry for the tangent. Um, the point was 
that Sessions is coming in. And if he comes in as attorney general, this is a guy who said that good people don't smoke marijuana, that cannabis policy reform has been a tragic mistake, and that the KKK was okay until I found out they smoked pot. Right. So this is a guy that's definitely like if you could pick the most hardline senator on cannabis, it, it was Sessions. It was either Sessions or Chuck Grassley. <laughs> There's a ironic name. So people are worried now in the industry that here comes Sessions. What's he going to do to attack the industry? And so Allison Holcomb had this to say about it. The most effective way to defeat federal interference in cannabis regulatory systems may very well be for state legislators to repeal all laws and regulations relating to cannabis. Holcomb's plan would have the state legislature completely strip any mention of cannabis from Washington state's legal code, removing both the laws currently regulating the state's legal cannabis market and the much older laws criminalizing cannabis in the first place. Quote, repeal it all. So there are no laws on the Washington state books that address marijuana, end quote. This would make the state totally blind toward cannabis. No state agency would keep records on cannabis businesses. No law enforcement officer in the state could investigate pot crimes. It would turn the very regulated and rational cannabis market into the federal government's worst nightmare. The regulations keeping Washington's legal pot within our state out of children's hands and away from organized crime would all dissolve. This would not stop the federal government from cracking down on pot. Federal agents would still have every legal right to knock down doors, confiscate bud, and make arrests. But with only about 5,500 sworn DEA agents in the United States, the task would be equal parts Herculean and Sisyphean. <laughs> Most federal law enforcement raids put the heavy lifting on lo local law enforcement, which numbers around 750,000 sworn officers across the country. But if there were no statewide laws on cannabis, local law enforcement would not be able to help. <laughs> so it's an interesting proposal but it's one that i think would have to be like a blackmail ultimatum the kind of thing where you where the state itself the state's attorney general or the state's speaker of the house or whoever would have to communicate to sessions on the trump administration look you let us keep going under the call memo you leave the call memo alone Keep things just as they are, or we're going to go with the nuclear option. We will repeal all our cannabis laws. Make it a blackmail threat. It's like, oh, you want to start interfering with our cannabis thing? We'll just not have a cannabis thing. We'll just have no laws on cannabis whatsoever. This isn't treat it like tomatoes. This is treat it like dandelions. This is the North Korea model. Did you know that, by the way? There are no laws on cannabis in North Korea. They literally treat it like dandelions. They grow on, Cannabis grows on the side of the road. You can pick it. You can smoke it. Nobody gives a shit. Of course, you got bigger things to worry about in North Korea, but it is the most free cannabis space on the planet. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, I suppose there's you know Africa and some other places that it's pretty free as well. But it's an interesting concept as a as a threat, as a ultimatum. But I have my doubts that the state legislatures could pull this off, that they would actually do it. Because they would be facing so much political backlash from the opponents of marijuana legalization. And remember that 
even a lot of the people that supported marijuana legalization only came around to it because it was a well-regulated system. When there was wide open legalization proposed in Oregon with Measure 80, it got rejected. So this is, you know, it would be a hard battle to fight. And another thing, it would be a better it would be a better threat if it were coming from all the legal states. Imagine a coalition of the West Coast states in Colorado. So I don't think you could get Maine and Massachusetts on board because their legislatures uh, didn't want this in the first place. But with Oregon, Washington, Colorado, these legislatures are already used to the money coming in. And they've got a public that has increased its support for these uh, legal regimes since they passed. And in California, of course, the huge amount of money and the lieutenant governor and all the political support it's gotten the greatest support of any statewide initiative to legalize. If all the West Coast states, Nevada, Colorado, California, Oregon, Washington, all banded together and approached the Trump administration and said, look, you let us keep going as we're going. Don't stymie our efforts to get banking. Help us out with the 280E thing here. Or we'll just pull the plug. We'll just we'll just repeal. Well, now Colorado might not be able to do that because it's in the Constitution. Colorado's not going to be able to pull that off. So maybe it's just have to be the West Coast block, the Pacific block. Because all ours are statutory. We'll just repeal the whole thing. We'll repeal every law on marijuana. And the whole Western United States will be a marijuana-free zone. No taxes, no regulations, no nothing. That's what it would have to be to, to be that strong of a threat. But it may be where we have to end up looking. We may have to think about extreme options like that. Because I think, I think people overestimate sometimes how popular and how powerful the cannabis industry really is. Right? We say, oh, but the states are getting so much money. Not compared to the size of their overall budgets, they aren't. Marijuana is not a huge, you know, it's, it's nice. It's nice to have that extra money coming in, but it's not the kind of, it's not big enough to make a difference. It's not small enough to be missed. That's what I heard one, uh, one commentator called it. So we don't have the kind of economic power people think we have, especially if you compare it to other players like pharmaceuticals, alcohol, other industries that don't want us to succeed. We still have to play. We have to, we're having to play in the political theater with those folks. Now, not law enforcement isn't necessarily our enemy anymore. So we overestimate how economically powerful we are. We overestimate how politically powerful we are. Can't tell you how many times I've been in an online debate with someone and they'll say, oh, well, 89% of the public supports medical marijuana. No, 89% of the public supports the idea if their grandma got cancer, nobody should stop them from smoking a smoker, stop her from smoking a joint. 89% doesn't support Doc in the box who's been censored a couple times by the medical board. The only gig he can get anymore is signing his name to uh, recommendations at 40 bucks a pop for skateboarders who come in and say they have anxiety. No, 89% of the country don't support that. And yet we got 60% support for legalization in this country at this point. But that again is people's concept of what legalization is. Not necessarily what we think legalization is. 
So if we are going to make some sort of big threat or ultimatum to try to protect our industry from Trump and Sessions, we better do it all together. I don't, I don't see that just one state can pull this off. All right, we got to take a break here for the top of the hour. We'll come back with more here on the Russ Belleville Show, live from Delta 9 Studios in Portland, Oregon. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smoother. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can tow. I am here. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon, at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the enema man and Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. Hey, hey, hey. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, everybody. Time for Toker Talk Radio. You can talk, you can talk, etc., etc. Glad to have you here. Hey, uh, quick note as to uh, Willie Nelson got a Christmas sweater. Did you see the picture? Came across the uh, stoner news feeds. <laughs> the, uh, uh, Willie Nelson got a Christmas sweater from uh, Snoop Dogg. And it says smoke weed every day. This <laughs> is very cute. So I thought that was a that was a nice little uh, gift there. Um, and uh, it's, it's the new year. We're glad to have y'all here at uh, the Russ Belleville Show, and we got a lot of big surprises coming up in this forthcoming year. And a couple of quick notes. Uh, I posted up on weednews.co the uh, dozen quick facts and I got fact checked I I messed up a fact I had said that statewide medical marijuana has gone 14 for 17 in elections it's actually 14 for 18 
14 for 18. I had forgotten about Florida because Florida lost in 2014. I didn't pick it up in my filter because I was filtering for stuff that was 50% or less as a loss, right? It's like, oh, well, yeah, Florida lost because it's less than 60%. That's what you need in Florida. So I've made the adjustment. If you downloaded the graphic from uh, the uh, Weed News site, there's a new graphic up in its place with the correct data. We always want to make sure the data is correct. And uh, there'll be plenty of data to access at the new radicalrust.com. I've been working on that. We should have that up in a couple of weeks for you to take a look at. Uh, I've been collecting data on a bunch of these different spreadsheets for years now, and uh, I'm ready to get it released to the general public. You can uh, make all sorts of great uh, drug war data mining arguments from this stuff. I've got every poll on marijuana legalization nationwide since 1969. I've got all 50 states and five U.S. territories as far as their marijuana laws and their population and how much they smoke per month and how much the kids are smoking and how dangerous they think it is and statistics on alcohol and other drugs as well. And it can help you make your arguments. Uh, I think there's going to be five data sets. We'll have the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, the Monitoring of the Future set. We'll have drug abuse, uh, I mean, um, 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 uh, treatment episode data set, the TEDs, the information on drug rehabs. We'll have the uh, uh, FARS Encyclopedia, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration on fatal crashes and all of that. Plus, I have some state-level data that I'll be putting up from Washington, Colorado, and Oregon uh, for their traffic and crime and, and other measures since legalization has taken place. But all of this takes money. This all takes money, and it's the new year, and it's time for me to start generating some more sponsorships and donations. So you're going to be hearing from me begging for cash from time to time. And this is going to be one of those times. It's not my favorite thing to do. It's not your favorite thing to hear. But we need to refill the coffers. So if you can help out, you can send donations via PayPal. It's russ at radicalrust.com for PayPal. Russ at RadicalRust.com And the more you send, the more I get <laughs> That's the way it works And I'll tell you, when I get it I buy cameras and laptops And baggage And Uber fees And plane tickets And train tickets And SD cards And all the stuff I need to keep bringing you All these articles And all these audio recordings And videos And pictures And stories from the world of marijuana. I want to keep doing it. Help me do it. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. CannabisRadio.com. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents the newest and greatest podcast in the galaxy, The Real Dirt with Chip Baker, your insider industry connection to accurate and entertaining information about cannabis technology, production, cultivation, and everything in between. Rolling joints and dropping knowledge about cannabis technology, production, cultivation, and everything in between. The future of legal cannabis has arrived, and we want to give you The Real Dirt with Chip Baker. Look for new episodes at CannabisRadio.com, TheRealDirt.com, or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. 
educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. Marijuana is not addictive, but listening to the Russ Belleville Show is... New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. <laughs> this is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Just about nine after the hour. Just catching up on some of the chat room. Glad to see so many folks out there run around. And John Thomas, Reverend Richard... Yaris? Is that name? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Tommy's out there. Kelly? Kathy? Kathy. I need better glasses. Doc Herbalist, good to see you all. Thanks for joining us. And uh, if you're listening and you don't know what the hell I'm talking about, we have a live chat room. <laughs> if you're uh, listening on the uh, iHeartRadio or the Spreaker or the uh, Cannabis Radio Player, there's this little balloon. looks like a little cartoon balloon. If you click that, it'll open up the chat room. You can join the rest of the chatters, including Big Daddy Fink, who just signed in from the Atlanta area. No, South Carolina. South Carolina. South Kakalaki. Anyway, I uh, got another story I wanted to talk about a little bit here, and it has to do with an article that I was reading in L.A. Weekly about Marijuana Anonymous. And it's, you know, modeled on Alcoholics Anonymous, the 12-step program, and how Marijuana Anonymous helps combat cannabis dependency now i'm not going to get into the argument about whether there is cannabis dependency how serious it may be whether these people really have it because as far as i'm concerned if they think they have it and they want to sit in a room with each other and talk about it fine great that's that's your thing how people their relationship you know other people's relationship with cannabis to me is none of my business. I don't care, right? If you've got a problem with it and you need some help with that, I encourage you to get that help. Please do. My only issue with cannabis really is, is personal is, is really that I have a relationship with it and I don't think I should be treated differently because of that. That's really what it comes down to. I shouldn't be arrested, ticketed, fined, jailed, discriminated against, rejected, shunned, treated differently given second class service or participation 
restricted from employment or housing or medical treatments or child custody or gun rights or anything else, my relationship with cannabis ought to be nobody's business. No big deal. So when it comes to this idea of cannabis dependency and marijuana anonymous and and all of that, it doesn't affect me and I don't care about it until it starts getting used as a method to start infringing on my rights and treating me differently and making me a second class citizen again. And so what I wanted to focus on here was this notion of cannabis dependency and how it's going to be used by our opponents and, and people who dislike us, cannabigots, how they're going to use this in the future as marijuana inevitably becomes more and more legal. And I was wanted to hit upon one particular link that was in the story. And it had to do with studies on dependence, on drug use dependence. And so this study that they brought up came from 2010. And the study was entitled Probability and Predictors of Transition from First Use to Dependence on Nicotine, Alcohol, Cannabis, and Cocaine, Results of the National Epidemiological Survey on Alcohol and Related Conditions. So these researchers were basically trying to figure out what is the cumulative probability of developing dependence among nicotine, alcohol, cannabis, and cocaine users. And to try to predict the, you know, what effects lead from use to dependence. So they did this on 50, they had 15,000, almost 16,000 smokers, almost 29,000 drinkers, 7,300 pot smokers, about 2,200 cocaine users. And they used analysis to figure out what's the cumulative probability of transitioning from use to dependence. What's the chance that using this drug is going to lead you to being dependent on the drug? Now, what they found was that the cumulative probability estimate of transition to dependence was... 67.5% for nicotine users. Wow. So what they're saying is someone who smokes a cigarette two out of three times is going to end up being a smoker, going to be addicted to it, have dependence problem. Two out of three of them that try it will move on to dependence. Cumulative probability. They found that it was 22.7% for alcohol users. More than one out of five people who try a drink of alcohol are going to end up dependent on it. They're going to have an alcohol problem. More than one out of five. They found that the cumulative probability estimate for transition to dependence was 20.9% for cocaine users. One out of five people that tries cocaine going to have a dependence problem with it. About the same rate as the alcohol users. A little less. And for cannabis, the cumulative probably estimate of transition to dependence for cannabis users was 8.9%. Barely one out of 11. Now, another 
thing they discovered in this study was that the dependence came faster with cannabis and cocaine. That is, it the median, the median number of cases, half the cases that transitioned to dependence, the median was 27 years for smoking. The median for alcohol was 13 years. The median for cocaine was five years and the median for cannabis was four. So far fewer people are going to have a dependence problem with cannabis, but they're going to find out quicker. (laughs) It's going to take less time for them to find that out. And, and what this study tells us here, what I, you know, what I want to get out of this study here is that this idea of cannabis dependence being used as a cudgel to beat back marijuana legalization. Oh my God, people become dependent on it. Once again, suffers from that selective bias of not looking at the other drugs, the legal ones, where one out of five are going to get addicted to alcohol and two out of three are going to get addicted to nicotine. So do we require the same sorts of requirements for nicotine? Imagine, if you will, that we took the rules for marijuana packaging and we applied them to cigarettes. Imagine no more just pull the little piece of plastic you know, strip off of the, the, you know, little cellophane off of the, the cigarette pack to get your smokes. Imagine that instead it comes in a childproof sealed container, opaque childproof sealed container with no colors, no cartoon characters and no, you know, flashy graphics. All right. Just like, uh, you know, just like we do with cannabis, right? Opaque sealed containers, childproof. For your cigarettes. Imagine proposing that. Imagine proposing the advertising restrictions on alcohol that are being proposed for cannabis. Your bar can't have a sign any bigger than 1,600 square inches. can only be black letters on white font of a certain point size. You can't have any giveaways. You can't have any two-for-ones. You can't uh, have any specials. Imagine, and, and, but, but these substances that have a two out of three dependence risk and a one out of five dependence risk, we do very little to curb the one out of five one. We do, we've done better with the, the tobacco one. There's a lot more restrictions on tobacco advertising and tobacco promotion than there used to be, but uh, nowhere near what we're trying to build for cannabis that only has a dependence issue with one out of nine. And then let's consider what is the effect of that dependence on our society. Two out of three tobacco smokers moving on to a dependence leads to those two out of three people having more lung cancer, having more emphysema, having more health issues, costing our healthcare system more, reducing our productivity, not just from their illnesses and absenteeism, but also from the damned cigarette breaks they got to take every hour or two. The alcohol, the one out of five that are getting addicted to alcohol, we know that those alcohol addicts are the ones that are driving drunk and hitting people and killing people and developing cirrhosis and the ones that are, you know, the ones that assault their spouse or their domestic partner that commit the crimes while they're drunk. We know that's happening. But what is the significant societal impact 
of the one out of 11 who develop the dreaded cannabis dependence. What more noodly guitar solos? Uh, really, really awesome pastries. Uh, great art. Uh, <laughs> what is it? What's the problem we're trying to protect ourselves from by not having the billboards and putting the stuff in the childproof opaque containers and reducing the advertising and limiting the one ounce purchases and the home grows have to be completely locked up. Ah, what is the big societal fear? Well, it's that people will grow that pot and sell it on the black market to places where it's illegal. Really, it's so odd that so much of what is wrong with how we're legalizing isn't the fault of legalizing. It's the fault of us having to deal with other places that still maintain prohibition. Boot to the head. Ow, you booted me in the head! Yeah, you had it coming. <laughs> Happy 420, everyone. From one of America's two legal time zones, with the exception of the Pacific time zone in Idaho. But it's uh, great to be legal. I'm going to celebrate with this nice, well-rolled cone. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about the dependency on cannabis. Oh, no! Being green is good. Growing green is good. Making green is great. CannabisRadio.com Equio, New Frontier's cutting-edge big data platform, puts the information and answers you need right at your fingertips in real time to help you more effectively run your cannabis business. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. Again, that's www.equio.io. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment. Okay, maybe you're high, too. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. 
Hope you had a great safety meeting. I'm feeling pretty safe here myself. We were talking uh, before the break about the uh, dreaded cannabis dependency. I feel like when it comes to someone's relationship with cannabis, the only person that can determine whether or not they've got a problem with it is the person who's got a problem with it. And there is a psychological or psychiatric designation for a substance use disorder, SUD. The DSM-5 has got a list of like, I think it's 11 different things that you ask someone. And if someone's answering yes to a couple of them or more, that's supposed to be indicative of a substance use disorder. And there's things in it like, you know, tried many, many times to stop and was unsuccessful in stopping and spend a lot of time trying to acquire the the product and, you know, strange thoughts and all sorts of weird things in there. And the problem with it is that, for one, in the context of of cannabis being illegal in most places, that kind of confounds the diagnosis a little bit. You might have strange thoughts. You might be a little paranoid because they really are out to get you, right? That could be problematic. And, you know, spending a lot of time trying to get the substance, well, yeah, it's illegal. You can't just walk to a store and get it, right? And then it's also confounded by the fact that cannabis isn't like a lot of other drugs in that it's it's not always a drug of abuse. It's got so many medical benefits to it. So when someone says, well, you know, I, I, I just couldn't stop smoking marijuana because yeah, once I, once I tried to quit, I just, I had this terrible insomnia. Well, maybe it's cannabis that is your medicine for insomnia and stopping taking your medicine is having your symptoms come back. What I'm trying to get at here is when they talk about what are the problems people suffer, how do you tell that you've got a dependency could just be you stop taking medicine and now the things that you suffer from are coming back, <laughs> you know, that you're no longer treating the problems you had. See, it's, it's always, it's always a sore spot with me because I come from this background where my uh, you know dad was addicted to alcohol, addicted to speed, and went into counseling, got into recovery, got his degree as a social worker with an emphasis on drug and alcohol counseling, and then went back and became a drug and alcohol counselor for a decade or so. He was uh, treating people, and he had to treat people with real dependency issues, heavy-duty drinkers and meth addicts and you know all sorts of heroin, terrible things, right? And so it always bothers me putting the marijuana dependent in that same discussion. It reminds me of the scene from Half-Baked, right? <laughs> so it reminds me of how, you know, we put murderers, we put you know pot smokers in the same jail cells with murderers, right? It's just disproportionate. It does not fit. Now, it's not to say that some people don't have a problem with marijuana and and do need to stop smoking it and can't. I'm not going to say that doesn't exist. But again, that's up to the person to decide. I don't think there's any one size fits all thing 
that's gonna that's gonna work for this. There's not gonna be any real easy checklist to try to determine if someone's suffering from substance use disorder. For example, I smoke marijuana. I, I, did you catch that? You might have noticed over the years. I smoke marijuana not just every day, but multiple times every day throughout the day. Like I get up in the morning, I sit down at the laptop, I start going through the news and I smoke a joint around lunchtime might take a dab during the show, smoke another joint after the show, take another dab, have some dinner, maybe have a dab before going to bed, rinse and repeat same every day. So do I have a dependence on marijuana? I don't think so. I put out more writing output than most of my colleagues that I can think of. I've done now, this is show number 881 that I've produced and written and put together. And that's on top of another 908 shows I did before that with normal all on my own, right? Writing, booking, producing, recording, editing, posting. <laughs> I do it all. And the travel booking and the travel and the hotels and the ah, the interviews and the logistics and all that, too. It's all me. Do I have am I am I dependent? If I had to go without weed, would it be a big issue in my life? Probably. I remember before I smoked a lot of weed, I, I used to be kind of insomniac. I used to be more anxious and people are like, my God, you're so hyper. I can't imagine what you'd be like without weed. Yeah. You don't want to imagine it. It's not pretty. <laughs> so that's why I think there's no real one size fits all that works for this. And, and my relationship with cannabis is just fine. Thank you. But this is where it starts to clash with the public policy people because the way the public policy people think of it is that marijuana smoking itself per se is a bad thing. It's something that ought to be reduced, eliminated if possible, but we know we can't eliminate it. So we'll reduce it as much as possible because smoking of marijuana is bad and smoking more of it therefore must be worse. That's kind of like the, the default mindset I see a lot of these public policy people coming at us with. It comes in these proposals of, well, we need to make sure that the price doesn't get too low. Why? Well, because then people would smoke marijuana and it'd, it'd be easier. You know, kids would smoke it more, too. Yeah, but I smoke more, too. I smoke a lot. I'm not going to smoke anymore. I really think I'm smoking as much as I can smoke. And all you're doing by keeping the price high is making me have to spend more money on it. This is this is a hypothetical uh, conversation where I actually have to spend money on weed. I don't spend money on weed. I know too many growers. <laughs> but anyway, I'm one of the lucky ones. Hypothetically, if I had to spend money on weed, all you're doing by keeping the price high is is artificially restricting people's choice to use as much weed as they'd like and for some of us that's a bad thing for the medical patients out there it's certainly a bad thing artificially making the price high 
And for people like me who just, it's just a part of our life. We just, it's like coffee to us. It's like just a daily thing. You're infringing on our rights to try to dissuade somebody from taking the wrong path or becoming addicted to something that, again, the studies show is the one least likely to get addicted to. We could, we could handle, at least it would be a little more understandable if all of these restrictions and, and, and this mindset was applied to everything else that's far more harmful than marijuana. But for it to consistently be applied against this brand new marijuana thing, which has been around for 7,000 years, but to be consistently applied to our choice and not applied to everyone else's choices that are so more harmful to themselves and to the rest of society just gets old. It just is so frustrating. We just want equal treatment. And it's hard to accept not getting that equal treatment. It's hard to accept it when you turn on the television and it's bad enough that there's the, the beer ads, right? And, you know, the Coors Light and all that and the, the you know, the bikini models with the cheeseburgers, all the stuff that I've been mentioning. The, but that's advertising, right? You can expect, you know, advertising. They're trying to sell something. They're going to use sex. They're going to make it seem glamorous and young and hip and chic. And you can expect that, right? That's already bad enough. But then you'll turn on shows like Today, the Today Show, like hour four of the Today Show with Hoda and Kathy Lee. Are they still doing that? I haven't watched Today in a while, but are they still doing that thing where they've all got like a full glass of wine at nine in the morning and they're having the wine Wednesday or whatever the hell they call it? Are they still doing that? They're not selling wine, at least as far as I understand it. They're just taking drugs on television because it's enjoyable for adults to do. Nobody thinks of it that way. Nobody thinks of the, oh my God, Kathleen Gifford's taking drugs on TV. That's what alcohol is. And I'm fine with it. I think it's, you know, can be entertaining as hell. I, I like the old clips of the 60s when uh, the Rat Pack, you know, Dean Martin and, uh, 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 you know, Sammy Davis Jr. and all those guys were Peter Lawford. They were drinking on stage. They had a bar, they literally had a bar on stage at the Sands during their sets with an orchestra behind the bar, right? And the bartender right there on the stage while Dean singing or Frank Sinatra singing, uh, <laughs> they go over and grab another highball and drink it down. I got no problem with that. That's adult stuff. I'm all for it. It's just, why do we not get that for us? Why are we still demonizing marijuana as if it's this terrible, terrible thing and not terrible from the perspective, not even necessarily terrible from the perspective of what it might do to you. I think a lot of people are past that reefer madness, but still a thing bad people do a dirty thing, a forbidden thing, a not honorable thing, a dishonorable thing. That's that's what I'm sick of. I'm sick of having to deal with that stigma that we somehow need to be ashamed. We somehow need to hide. We somehow can't let the kids know that adults smoke pot. 
And yet the kids are quite cognizant that we do and are well aware of the drinking and the cigar smoking and the pharmaceuticals and the couple in the bathtub with the erectile dysfunction drugs. They're quite well aware of them. Why do we need to stay hidden? I I think it's time for us to not be hidden. It's time for us to be open and proud and understand that legalization isn't just, oh, we're sick of locking potheads up. It's we deserve equal rights. We want the same rights, responsibilities, and respect as our beer drinking friends. It's not too much to ask. Fairness, equality, an end to separate but equal. I think that's as American as it gets, huh? All right, stay tuned, folks. We're going to take a commercial break, and we'll be back with more here on the Russ Belleville Show, live from Portland, Oregon. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis legalization efforts are increasing competition for businesses wanting to make it big. In this complex and fast-changing environment, only the savviest will survive. What are you going to do to stay ahead of the game? Enter New Frontier's free platform, Equio, the premier business intelligence, visualization, and marketing platform for the cannabis industry. With Equio, you can stay on top of your store sales, trends, and competition, better understand your seasonality and broader sales trends, identify and compare your top products and categories, and cross-buying opportunities. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. That's E-Q-U-I-O.io to sign up now. The power of real-time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. Author Catherine Hiller and her great new book, Just Say Yes, Marijuana Memoir. So I love the way you use time in the memoir. I started at the present time and I described a visit to my dealer. And then I would go backward in time so that every chapter starts a little bit earlier. I do not feel that marijuana has in any way harmed my life. It certainly hasn't led me to the streets. It's led me to a more joyful life experience. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. This is the Russ Belleville Show, annoying Kevin Sabat since 2012. The International Cannabis Business Conference comes to San Francisco, California on February 16th and 17th, 2017. The ICBC San Francisco, Northern California's first business-to-business event since the recent historic election, will bring together top state regulators and industry leaders to discuss permits, business models, and opportunities within the newly enacted laws and landscape. Of course, the ICBC also famously offers some of the best cannabis industry networking, 
leveraging our worldwide following to connect wholesalers, brands, distributors, investors, and strategic partners. And don't forget to come early for our VIP reception and stay late for our legendary after party. Join us for the longest continuously running cannabis business conference in California at the Hilton San Francisco Union Square, the one and only International Cannabis Business Conference. Visit internationalcbc.com for tickets today. Most of us pirates, we go on vacation to North Dakota, you know, because they've got a town called Argusville. What are you smoking there, boy? This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com. And you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. 39 after the hour. And I'm really excited about the Inauguration Day protest. Adam Eidinger and the cats with DCMJ, the DC Cannabis Coalition, are going to be handing out 4,200 joints at Donald Trump's inauguration. And they're instructing folks at... Four minutes and 20 seconds into Donald Trump's inauguration speech to light him up. And wow, this will be, I think, our first big test to see what's going to happen here (laughs) with weed under a Trump administration, because it's an interesting situation in Washington, D.C. Of course, Initiative 71 legalized the uh, personal possession of up to two ounces of marijuana in Washington, D.C., and home cultivation. But Congress has blocked uh, any sort of marijuana market. So there's no shops, there's no commercial grows or anything. However, people can gift marijuana to one another. They can give it to each other freely. So I was there in May uh, when DCMJ had a protest outside the White House, and they had set it up where they brought out a big old wagon, and it had a... uh, um, uh, had a like a PA system kind of thing on it. And we were just right out there in front of Lafayette Park and handing out joints and seedlings to people. Uh, let's see about 100, 200 people out there. Uh, and, and people were lighting up. And the Secret Service was right there. I mean, you could see him plain as day just looking at us. And the Washington, D.C. police, and nobody's doing anything about it. Now, in Washington, D.C., though, you have to remember that not everything in Washington, D.C. is Washington, D.C. A lot of stuff in Washington, D.C. is federal land. In fact, I think it's about 60% of the land in D.C. is federal. And we found this out in May. I mean, we didn't find it out, but it, it, it affected us in May when we were having that protest because we were protesting initially on Pennsylvania Avenue. Pennsylvania Avenue is a road. It therefore is part of Washington, D.C., the city. Now, Pennsylvania Avenue runs right in front of the White House there, right? And so that's where we were protesting. And since we were on that road, that's. D.C. property and the joints we were holding were perfectly legal. But there was a disturbance that day and the Secret Service wanted to close off Pennsylvania Avenue for safety's sake, move everyone back a block. Well, back a block was, uh, I think, I Street or H Street. I can't remember which. 
and or maybe it's K Street, whatever it is, but one of them letter streets. And again, that's a street, so it's Washington, D.C., so it's D.C. land. It's perfectly legal to have that joint. But in between Pennsylvania and that street was Lafayette Park. And Lafayette Park is federal. It's federal land. So all the folks that had weed on them and plants and all that stuff were legal on the street. And then they walked, if they walked into the park, they were federally illegal and could be arrested. And then once they got back out to the street, they'd be legal again. <laughs> That's how weird it is. In fact, a lot of people walked all the way around to get to the next cross street and come up and come back up just so they would be legal the whole time rather than making the cut across the park. So how much of the inauguration is going to be visible from places that are DC land and not federal land. I haven't mapped it out. I'm going to do that later on tonight, trying to figure that out for, for an article, but I want to make a map for people. If you're going to smoke weed at the Trump protest or Trump inauguration, here's where you need to do it (laughs) so that you're legal. And we'll see how that works out. You know, some people, disdain smoke-ins. You know, some people have the attitude of how, you know, we're trying to put our best foot forward and we're trying to present ourselves as responsible cannabis consumers. So having smoke-ins is counterproductive because it shows us as being, you know, rebels that break the law and don't care about the public and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I, I see that point, but I think a bigger point is made through civil disobedience by disturbing people by getting them out of their comfort zone and forcing them to confront the reality of the situation, right? To confront the idea that, okay, I'm breaking a law right in your face. And if you really think it's a terrible, terrible thing, then you must do something about it. And when they don't, well, then that proves the point. Or if they do, that helps convince other people that what they're doing is wrong. Now, it's the basis of how Martin Luther King, Gandhi, all sorts of people made a point was civil disobedience. That tension that's necessary to sometimes make your point and to get people to understand. You know, I read sometimes people getting upset, like here in Portland, people get upset when there's like a Black Lives Matter protest or a Trump protest and they walk out onto the freeway. They walk out onto I-5 and they block the traffic on I-5 or they walk into the the max line tracks, you know, our, our light rail train and block that and block the commuters that are trying to get home. And, and I read people complain, oh, I was on your side until you did that. And oh, you blocked the traffic and you made my life suck. And man, they get all upset, right? But I think they missed the point of the tension, the point of the civil disobedience, which is if you think you're inconvenienced, just trying to drive somewhere on the freeway because there's a bunch of protesters in the road. Imagine being a black guy trying to drive anywhere and getting pulled over on a weekly basis and how much that's an annoyance to his life. Imagine, you know, the, the, the point being, I don't want to try to make up more examples. The point being, though, that if you're inconvenienced by the traffic problem, by the protest, imagine how much more inconvenient what they're protesting about is. And I think people miss that sometimes so i support this i think the dcmj thing is a great idea smoke out the trump administration let's do it of course maybe some will say ah see there's the backlash that's what jeff sessions will jump right on see they smoked weed right out there in front of the inauguration 
I don't know. I think it's worth doing. I, I say keep pushing the boundaries. It, we're we're just going to have to. It's going to be an interesting next four years, and I think the the tactics we're going to have to employ are going to have to be a little less nice guy, a little less. Oh, we'll we'll find a way that we can possibly work with. Them. We might be able to work with them, and might be. Able... Now, I think this is going to be a brawl. I think that. Uh, well, I've been writing about it for a while now. I think that the team that Trump is putting together in his administration does not bode well for it being friendly toward the marijuana industry. Let's put it that way. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe Donald Trump has lined up, you know, maybe Donald Trump, coach Trump here has, you know, drafted running back after running back after running back. But when he puts them on the field, it'll all be for passing game, right? Maybe. But no, I think when the coach keeps drafting running back and offensive linemen, he's trying to produce a team that'll produce a running game, right? If Trump is putting Sessions and Price and all these anti-marijuana people into, you know, positions of power, that tells me what that that says more to me than what he says. His actions say more to me than what he says. I don't believe a damn thing Donald Trump says. I don't think Trump believes half the things Donald Trump says. And I know there's all these people out there in, you know, I may be in the minority amongst the uh, cannabis commentators right now. I, I read a lot of con- cannabis commentators that are either saying, ah, it's, uh, they would be unwise to pick a fight with marijuana. It's too big. There's too much money. All these states are making the money and all the, the jobs that are being created. It's a new industry. And Trump's a money guy. He'll see the money coming and he'll know that there's money involved and he'll want nothing but money, 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 money. I don't think so. I think I think that there's still, for many people, a, a moral issue to this that outweighs the money issue. And I think for Trump, there's not enough money in play for him because he's not a weed smoker. He's not even a drinker. He's a teetotaler. People forget that. There's nothing in play for Trump here. And there's something in play against Trump's friends in some of these other industries. He just put an oil industry guy as the as the secretary of state, CEO of Exxon. You know, Exxon, those pro-cannabis people, right? <laughs> right? So who's going to be getting the attention of a Donald Trump? The cannabis industry with its, ooh, we've got a whole $6 billion. Ooh, $6 billion. Ooh. What was ExxonMobil's profits last year? Let's consult the... Uh, Let's consult the uh, Google here. ExxonMobil profits. See how our six billion. Now remember that six billion industry that we're that we're talking about is the entire, you know, industry, the total industry nationwide. ExxonMobil uh, had a net income of two point six five billion in the third quarter. So eh, for the year, they're going to be about the same as the marijuana industry, the whole marijuana industry. This one oil company, ExxonMobil, made as much profit. Remember, this is net income, not gross, made as much profit as the entire gross of the marijuana industry. So who's going to get Trump's ear? His secretary of state, the CEO of Exxon, that makes as much profit as the entire marijuana industry does in a year? makes as much profit as the value of the entire marijuana industry or 
the marijuana industry that's mostly concentrated in blue California, blue Oregon, blue Washington, blue Nevada, blue Colorado, blue Massachusetts, blue except for one electoral vote, Maine, and three electoral votes in Alaska, where there is no real cannabis money. See, that's the way I think about this, right? Trump's got nothing to lose by pissing off California, Oregon, Nevada, Washington, Maine, Massachusetts, and Colorado. It's not going to cost him any re-elections or anything. He'll be just fine. But uh, him going against and, and promoting and, and, and allowing a marijuana industry to develop could piss off a Kansas or Nebraska. I mean, he's not going to lose those states either, but maybe some of them Rust Belt states that he needs to keep a hold of. Who knows? Again, it's all speculation at this point. I, I could not be hoping more that I am wrong, <laughs> that I'm wrong about what's going to happen under Trump. I hope I'm so wrong. I hope that in a year from now, people are laughing at me. God, Russ, you thought it was going to be the worst thing ever. And look what happened. Look at all the jobs. Look at all the money. Can you believe that Trump and Sessions gave us the go ahead? Can you believe they even made the coal member memo better than it was? Wow. It's, who would have thought? <laughs> I just don't think so. Just read what the folks at Project Sam are already asking for. They're saying at a minimum, the federal government ought to enforce the coal memo to the letter. And what they mean by that is doing federal surveys on all of the things that the coal memo says the state shouldn't do. And if they violate any one of them, shut down their industry or sanction it heavily. All right, we'll uh, be back in just a moment to wrap things up on this Wednesday. Thanks for listening. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. <sighs> cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase and gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. Pay quick. The safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. This is Cannabis Facts from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. Supported by our donors and Hemp Inc. Poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. In 1937, the second most prescribed medicine, marijuana, was banned. It wasn't about marijuana. The paper, oil, and chemical industries lobbied to end hemp farming. No longer labor-intensive, an acre of hemp produced more quality paper than four acres of trees. Plastics and fibers could be produced from a plant. Hemp can even produce ten times the energy of today's ethanol. As marijuana prohibition ends, many states now allow farmers to again grow hemp. 
This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to process America's hemp crop at hempinc.com. Get the latest updates on the Russ Belleville Show by following Radical Russ on Twitter and liking the Russ Belleville Show on Facebook. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of the Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. And uh, as we wind up that last segment, <clears throat> I wanted to make a mention. I got a lot of inspiration from an article in Politico magazine, Jeff Sessions' Coming War on Legal Marijuana. Is written by Jim Higdon. Uh, if you recognize that name, he's the author of Cornbread Mafia. He was a guest on our Reformers Reader segment. And uh, Higdon makes a really good point in here and talks about how the Rohrabacher Amendment uh, twice passed the House uh, in the most recently in 2015 as part of the omnibus spending package and signed into law. The Rohrabacher Amendment, of course, is the one that says the DOJ can't spend any money to prosecute in the medical marijuana states. And that's protected them from federal raids for the past couple of years. And this went through the even up to the the courts that said, no, it's, you know, absolutely legit. Can't go after the uh, states. Here's the problem. If it's part of a spending bill, it has to be renewed every year. And so this Rohrabacher Fire Amendment, it's good until this April. And now there's new rules that have been implemented by Speaker of the House Paul Ryan. This is according to Higdon's article. Amendments related to guns, abortion, LGBT issues, and marijuana will no longer be permitted. A change that Kentucky Representative Thomas Massey, a sponsor of a bill to protect industrial hemp programs, considers an affront to regular order and a travesty to our democracy. So, no more purse-string amendments to protect veterans, to protect medical marijuana, to nothing like that. No, no more of this. You can't spend money to bust people will be possible through the house where we've been making a lot of gains. Now we could try to do that in the Senate, but it's 52, 48 Republicans in the Senate at this point, And the chances of getting that through a committee are zero. So as of April, that protection that we've got for medical marijuana goes away. And uh, like like I said, the folks out at uh, uh, Project Sam, they've got uh, some ideas as to what should happen. They're they're already saying that there should be um, a, a memo to the uh, marijuana industry. This is um, Sabet says 
to the DOJ could write a letter to governors in legalized states stating that any state that issued licenses regulating marijuana sales is a violation of the Controlled Substances Act and say they have 90 days to revoke licenses. It could issue a new memo to the states that have not implemented marijuana sales yet and say that they advise those states not to allow them. DOJ could also say that in the next six months they will enforce the 2013 Cole Memo and determine if states have violated its terms. It would be hard to argue that they haven't. Without any restraint from Congress and being egged on by the likes of Project Sam, the only thing that could stand in Attorney General Sessions' way of launching a new front in the marijuana wars is the president-elect. So, folks, you want to trust Trump? You want to think Trump's going to be... Keen on a big marijuana industry? <laughs> I wouldn't make that bet. All right, folks, that's all the time we got for today. Time flies when you legalize. Thanks for joining us here and every weekday on CannabisRadio.com, where we are live from beautiful legal potland, Oregon, and Delta 9 Studios. I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Ah!